place. And what we're going to focus on today is what God's purpose for work is, and then what God's purpose for each one of us at work is. So we're going to focus on that. I sent out a message on Twitter and on Facebook this week, and uh, I was blown away by how many people responded. But I was looking for songs that had to do with work, popular songs that had to do with work, and I got dozens and dozens and dozens of replies, which was really, really cool. So we're going to play a little game, and I am going to give you the artist, and I'm going to say part of the chorus, and then we're going to see if you know the rest of the chorus. And and the category is work, okay? So all of these songs. So the first one is really easy. So we'll start off with the uh, one at the beginning. But this is the Seven Dwarfs, okay? So this is a pretty simple one. And remember they had the little song, hi-ho, hi-ho, off to work I go. So yeah, so you guys know that one. That was pretty easy. All right, the next one we're going to go to the Beatles, okay? And they sang, it's been a hard day's night. Okay, you guys are good at this, all right? Now, this one is Dolly Parton, and this was a movie also, and it's so uh, working nine to five. What a way to make a living, good, all right, all right. Now for the disco era, Donna Summers saying she works hard for the money, right, very good. Okay, Alan Jackson, Jimmy Buffett saying it's five o'clock somewhere, good. All right, now this is... For all of you, uh, for all of you 80s, do what? It's work related. I, it's work related. It's five o'clock. Yeah, because you get off work at five o'clock. Yeah. Well, but you get off of work. So that's what, that's the, people get off work and go. So my wife's up here heckling me. So I don't. All right. All right, for you 80s rockers, Loverboy had a song. Oh, hold on. Did we miss one? Johnny Paycheck. All right. Is take this job and shove it. Okay. And I'm not, we're not talking about where he's talking about shoving or anything. But all right. Now, Loverboy, everybody's working for the weekend. All right. Good. All right. Huey Lewis in the news. I think we have an extra H, Huey Lu- Lewis in the news. Okay, that was not, not the same group. But uh, uh, this one, he had a song. He said, I'm taking what they're giving because I'm working for a living. Right, all right. Now this one, last one, Bachman Turner Overdrive, and it has multiple ones in, multiple phrases you have to figure out. Okay, this is taking care of business every day, taking care of business every way. I'm taking care of business, it's all mine. I'm taking care of business and working overtime. Okay, give yourselves a hand, you did a very good job. You passed the test. So I realized that uh, maybe it was my age, but like all those songs were kind of older, but then I started trying to find newer songs and I couldn't find anything new about work. I just, I, I, don't, I don't know what that means, but it was hard to find anything in the last two or three years that had anything to do with work or that we could even talk about in church. So, uh, so uh, what is God's plan for work? It's important to understand that it is God who created work and this idea of work. It was really, it was all God's idea. And we will never understand the purpose at work until we understand the purpose of work. So that's what we're going to spend a little bit of time of 
talking about this morning. So for many of us, it means kind of tearing down this idea of work that we have because we all have these built-in notions of what work means. A lot of them are negative, some are positive, but what I want you to do is to be able to, to kind of just let all of that go and, and try to let's look in scripture today and see what God says that work is. Allow yourself to create a biblical model for what we're going to see today. So if we went out and asked people, what is the purpose of work? Like, why do you work? Why do people work? Just, just ask anyone. There, there's four different things that usually come up that people would answer why they work. The first answer comes up a lot of times is to provide. People work to provide because there's rent to be paid, there's an electric bill, junior needs shoes, there's braces, there's all these things, and so it does take money to live. So people say, I work because I need money to survive, money to pay the bills. And so I think we all understand that. Another reason that people say that they work is to create a sense of identity. If you ever meet someone and you exchange names, often the second question is, so what do you do for a living? Especially for guys, the identity thing with work is, is really, really big. I think a lot of men uh, get their identity in work. And so we understand that uh, a lot of times people work because they want to get some kind of identity. And then sometimes people are even labeled with that identity, that you are a doctor, lawyer, plumber, teacher, whatever, and you kind of embrace the identity of whatever your job is. So third purpose that people work is that they actually look for purpose. So in their job, they're looking to make a difference. They're wanting to work and do something that's significant so that they feel like they're investing in something and making a difference in the world. And the fourth reason that people say that they work is to define success because we want to buy things. And when we look and when we see people that work and do well in their work, they're able to purchase things that kind of then model what success is. I was thinking about this uh, idea of like, if you ever see any rap videos or on TV, the, the rappers always have lots of gold jewelry on and they're always driving nice cars because it's it's status. It's part of what they do. I've never seen a rap video where the rapper's on a scooter and he's like shopping at Walmart. I mean, I've just never seen that because that's not real cool. I mean, that's not status, right? It's all about the Bentley and it's all about the gold chain. And so we understand that sometimes work defines success for us. But if we view work in those four ways, what happens is it leads us down several frustrating paths, if that's what work is all about. One of those paths is that it promises more from work than work can actually deliver. Because we, we build work up to be this thing where we are going to look for purpose, and we, we are going to find our significance and our identity, and work really doesn't live up to all that. So there's frustration. The other thing that it does is it tends to make an idol out of our career. Whatever our career is, it becomes this thing that we're known as, and so we're trying to achieve and work harder and move up the corporate ladder and get a promotion because work begins to be what defines us. And the third thing about those four answers is it really leaves God totally out of the equation of work if we work for those four reasons. So when you open up your Bible and ask yourself, what is God's original purpose for work. What we're going to see today is none of those four things that we talked about does God say is the purpose for why he created work. And so maybe no one has ever 
you know, taught you or explained to you, or maybe you've never looked in the Bible to see that. But if we don't understand the purpose of work, we will never understand what our purpose at work is going to be. So this morning we're going to look in four different passages of Scripture. So if you brought a Bible, I want to encourage you to follow along with me. If you're high tech and you've got it on your phone or tablet or whatever, you're welcome to follow along or we'll have it up on the screens. But uh, we're going to start in the book of Genesis today. So if you do have a Bible, that one's really easy to find. You just go to the first book of the Bible. It's right there. We're going to look in Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look at two verses. And let me give you a little setup. What's happened is these two verses are after Adam and Eve have eaten the fruit. Sometimes we call that the fall or when sin has entered the world. So this is, this is post them disobeying God and eating the fruit. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. These are the verses that we read. It says, and this is God talking. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All of your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it, and it will grow thorns and thistles for you. You know, even if you're not real sure about all of this God stuff in, in the Bible, and, and, and you're not sure you believe it all, you would still say that that is true, right? Those verses are true, which basically tell us that work is hard. It's not easy. It's, it's not always fun. It's difficult. Um, and any of us that have had a job have realized that, right? That, that work is, is not fun. It's not easy. But notice in those verses that it didn't say that God had cursed work. Okay, that's a very important distinction to see. God didn't curse work. He cursed the ground. And there's a big difference, okay? It, it, it's the conditions of work that were cursed, not actually work itself. But that isn't the first instance of work in the Bible. If you're still in Genesis, go over to Genesis chapter 2 now and look at verse 15. Now this is... Um, before Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruit. So this is before sin entered the world. So this is before the fall of man. So, so now we're just backing up a little bit. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we read a verse that says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. Now, would we all agree that tending and watch, uh, watching over a garden would be considered work, Right? Now, my dad, who's here today, he had a garden growing up, um, and I don't think it was very big, but it seemed like about 100 acres to me when I was growing up, and uh, he would have me and my brother go out there and do chores in the garden, and that, would you, was it safe to say that was not one of our favorite things to do, dad? No, we didn't want to do it, and I never understood why my dad, he always, we grew a lot of obscure vegetables, and we always had lots of them, which I never could understand why we would have like eight bushels of okra. And we'd have so much okra that we really wouldn't know what to do with the okra. And, uh, and of course, we're out there in the garden. I never could understand why we're doing that. Or eggplant. We would grow enough eggplant to feed a third world country. And uh, not that he, he would even want the eggplant or there's not that many things that you could do with it. But anyway, when I read this verse, I remember the chores that my dad gave me of going out in the garden and uh, snapping beans and hoeing weeds and, and doing that. So what we can see from this is that in Genesis chapter 2, God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over the garden. So the significance is work was there and created by God, 
before sin entered the world and before the ground was cursed, God created work. So work wasn't a, a curse of sin. Work wasn't this thing that was created after sin. So as your punishment, now you have to work. It, it wasn't that way. God had created work before sin entered the world. So work was made by God. And when the world was still perfect before sin had entered it, there was work. So that's an important distinction to see. Now let's look in one more time, one more time in Genesis chapter one. So flip over to Genesis chapter one, and we're going to see another distinction about work in verse 31. And this is after God had created the heavens and the earth, created the animals, created man, Adam and Eve. We read that it says, Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. So God himself was a worker. He worked. He was the first one to work. So work wasn't something that came into the world because of sin. Work was created by God, and work was participated in by God. Now, the next thing that I'm going to say may, may kind of uh, shake the way you see work, but work was such a blessing that God wanted all of us to experience it. You know, see, we don't see work that way many times. We see it as it is a curse. It's this thing that I have to do. But God created work to actually be a blessing, that, that, that it was to be enjoyed, that it was a, something that he had done and something he wanted us to participate in. God didn't curse work. God cursed the conditions surrounding work, and there's a big difference there. So there is still hope to experience God's original blessing of work. Okay, so that's what the purpose of work. Now let's talk about what's the purpose or what's God's plan for me and you at work. We find that God's original purpose for work is found in a verse in the New Testament in the book of Colossians. So if you're following along, flip over to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians was a book written by Paul. It's a letter that Paul was writing to Christians living in a city in the first century called Colossae. And he writes this verse that really kind of contains what the purpose for our work is. In Colossians 3.23, this is what we read. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And what I want to do is unpack that verse and point out four important components of work that we see just in that one verse. The first component is a great attitude. The first thing that Paul said was work willingly. In the NIV translation, it says work with all your heart. In the New Century Version, it says work the best you can. Now, someone once said that your attitude is a paintbrush. Okay, so whatever your attitude, it is a paintbrush. So the question becomes, what are you painting then with that brush? Now, for the last several weeks, um, I've been helping coach an AAU basketball team that my son Keaton plays on. And um, it's interesting when you talk about attitudes and you're working with 16-year-old kids playing basketball because uh, you see a lot of examples of 
poor attitudes. And so sometimes we've gone to these tournaments, there's college coaches sitting in the stands, Tom Crean may be there, Matt Painter, these other college coaches, and you have a kid that gets mad, slams the ball down on the court, curses, walks over, curses to his coach, kicks a bench, and sit down. And I'm thinking, Really? Like, now you think like a college coach is going to go, oh, I have these scholarships to hand out, so I'm going to want to hand out the one to the kid with the bad attitude. And you would think that that would somehow translate, but it doesn't always translate to 16-year-old boys. But whatever we do in our work, our attitude is huge. It's king. And so in this verse, Paul's saying that we need to work willingly, and as a Christian, we need to have a great attitude. There is something completely wrong and confusing about a follower of Christ who has a horrible attitude at work. Let me repeat that. There is something completely wrong and confusing about a follower of Christ who has a horrible attitude at work. We are commanded in Scripture to work willingly and to have a good attitude when we earn our paycheck. All right, the second component that we see in that verse is a personal calling. Paul said, work willingly at whatever you do. Now, that's a beautiful verse because it means that to, to have, a jo- have a job where there's a purpose or you're making a, a difference, you, you don't have to work for a church or be a missionary just to like be doing something for God. And how do I know that? Because it uses the word whatever. Paul says whatever you're doing, if you're working with kids, if you're a lawyer, if you're an accountant, if you have a corporate job, if you own your own company, whatever it is that you do, okay, whatever it is that you do, You are honoring God with it. And it's about a calling that all of us have. No matter how much, no matter how little, no matter if this is an entry-level job, no matter if you own the company or you're the CEO, you are to represent God. Now, I've had lots of jobs uh, growing up. You guys were sharing some of yours. And uh, I think the first one that I ever did was I was mowing yards, probably when I was 14. I, was, I, did, I did mowing yards for a while. I've worked at a drugstore. I told you that when I was in high school. Uh, I worked in the mail room when I was in college, sorting mail. Uh, I've been a driving instructor uh, my last year of college, and that may scare some of you uh, because there are people out there that I taught how to drive. Uh, at one time, I owned a small photography business, and uh, I've been a pastor, and uh, for about three years, I also worked in the corporate world as a trainer for a GPS technology company. But none of those roles are more or less important in the kingdom of God. All of them are important in the kingdom of God. Listen to what Martin Luther King Jr. wrote. I love this quote. He says, if a man is called to be a sweet street sweeper, he should sweep streets as, even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Your calling is wherever God has placed you at this point in time to do all that you can with whatever you do and have a great attitude at the same time. Now, the third component that we see in that verse is that we all have a heavenly supervisor. Because Paul said, as though you were working for the Lord. Now, so ultimately, we all work for Christ. We represent our Savior. So what that means is when we cut corners at work, it reflects our Savior. When we are lazy at our job, it reflects our Savior. When we make a deal that lacks integrity, 
it reflects our Savior. When we spend too much time at work and neglect our family and our spouse and our kids, it reflects our Savior. I want you to think of a time where you've had a boss that was really good. And hopefully everyone has had a, a good boss. But a boss that encouraged you, a boss that uh, appreciated what you did, a boss that uh, you really liked to work for. And if you think about your relationship with that boss, you probably did a much better job at your work because you knew that it reflected your boss, right? You wanted to work for that person. You, they inspired you. They gave you an opportunity. And yes, there was a paycheck, but you knew that what you did ultimately reflected them, who they probably had another boss that it reflected upon. And so when you think of it in those terms, in earthly terms, now I just want you to take that and magnify it to a supernatural level and realize that all of us are working for our Heavenly Father. And when, when we do that, we're honoring him and reflecting him through the way that we work. And so even though we all have an earthly boss, you have a higher calling to work for the Lord. Fourth component that we see in that verse is a human audience. Paul said, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. A lot of us spend more time at work than we do at home. We probably spend more time at work maybe than we do with our family or spouse or our kids. It's just part of if you work 40 hours or 50 hours or 60 hours or, or maybe even part-time, we spend a lot of time at work. And you probably work with some people that you have great relationships with and you probably work with some people that you have not so good relationships with. You work with people that you like and you work with people that you don't like and wish you didn't work with. But whatever the case is, you still work with them. All right? That God has put you there for a reason, and, and you work with him. So here's the most important thing that I'm going to say in the sermon, and it kind of wraps it all up. So at this point, if you're asleep or your neighbor's asleep, you, you, you can punch them, or if you're texting or daydreaming or figuring out what you're going to do to go get your Mother's Day gift that you forgot about before. <laughs> all right? Jeff Henderson, who's a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, says this, and it's an amazing statement, and it kind of wraps up what we talk, are talking about today. The purpose of your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. All right? The purpose of your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. That's what you are to do. Yes, you get a paycheck. Yes, it does pay the bills. We all understand that part. But as a follower of Christ, you are there to demonstrate that God is working inside of you and in your life. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week, about the specifics of what that looks like. But because you, your work matters, it reflects your Savior. I have a friend named Dennis, and uh, Dennis owns a small business, and he owns a business that uh, they cut yards, and uh, he has a lot of yards that he cuts, and he has usually about two crews of guys from anywhere from two to three to four on a crew. During the winter, they do some snow removal also. But uh, I, I got to know Dennis before he was a Christian, and then I got to know him after he, he was a believer. And uh, Dennis does an amazing job at what he does. And what I always appreciated him was how he was able to take his relationship with God and in his work somehow 
um, let God reflect through him. A lot of the guys that he picks up to do on his work crew, it's, it's a $10 to $12 an hour job. So a lot of them are recently out of high school. Some of them didn't even finish high school. Some of them dropped out of college. It's not a wonderful job to be on his work crew, but but he, he, he always would put his arm around him and he always would take what he was learning in his small group or he was learning at church or he was learning from his quiet time. And somehow he had a way of, of, of bringing that into his work to help people. He, a lot of his guys on his crew would have issues. Some of them had substance issues. A lot of them had, couldn't handle money. A lot of them had girlfriend issues. And he was always the guy to put his arm around him, try to give him another chance, try to encourage him, try to speak just a little bit of hope and truth into their life. And I was always blown away how this guy who mowed grass was out there representing who his Savior was and just doing a phenomenal job with it. Now, my question is, who is, who is in ministry? Dennis or, or, or me being a pastor? Who is in ministry? Both of us, right? Both of us. The God is using both of us. Because who Jesus is just kind of pours out of my friend Dennis. It just naturally kind of comes out of him. He just helps people. He just tries to speak a little truth. He doesn't beat him over the head with his Bible, but he just kind of bleeds who Christ is in his work. Because when you understand the purpose of work, it changes things. It changes you. It changes your approach to work. Because you will never find your identity in your job. Because you can only find your identity in Christ. You'll never find your purpose in your job because you can only find purpose in Christ. You'll never find significance in your job because you can only find significance in Christ. Because whatever job you have, you won't have forever. All of us will, and we may think, you may think that you're working somewhere and you've worked there a long time, but, and it may seem like a long time to you when you're there, but you won't have that job forever. And your purpose and your identity and your significance are only found in your Savior. And the purpose of your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. Now, we throw out the question, what if, Dan, what if I'm underemployed? Or what if, like, what I'm doing, you know, isn't what I studied in college? Or what if, what if I feel like I have, can offer a lot more than where I'm at right now? But for whatever reason, you know, I'm just, I'm where I'm at. Then I would say, if you look at Colossians 3.23, There is no job without hope. There is no job that is insignificant because wherever God has put you, you are there to represent who Christ is. And God has put you there to show that he is at work in your life. Now my challenge for you this week is I want all of us, if you accept the challenge, is to live out Colossians 3.23 on Monday morning when we go to work. That, That no matter what we do, that we live that out, That we go in on Monday morning and our prayer is work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. What would it look like for you to work like that? Ask yourself that question. What would it look like if you represented Christ in all that you did? Because here's what I believe. As followers of Christ, we should be the very best employees. The very best employees. Even if we have a boss who's an atheist, they should look at, at, at Christians or people who follow Christ and go, they're the most honest, hardworking, giving, loyal people that I know. And even if I don't believe all that stuff that they believe, I would hire them because they are great employees. 
That's what I believe that we should be as followers of Christ. Our attitudes should be incredible. Now, a quick word to those in here, if, if we have those in here who are workaholics. Because maybe you've heard what I, all I've said, and you're like, well, Dan, I love my job. I mean, I, just, I do my job like 80, 90 hours a week, 120 hours a week, man. It is awesome, okay? So if that's you, let me just say this. Your challenge is this, a little different. Your challenge is to show people that your God is not work, all right? That your God is Christ Jesus, and it's not work. So for some people, that, that's what they need to hear, because work can just like totally wrap up everything that you have. And so you show people that, you know what, work is important, and we spend our time here, and we work hard, but it is not my God. And if you're here today, and you're thinking that, you know, I'm not even sure I believe all this stuff about the Bible, and Jesus, and the cross. Maybe God is knocking at your door to, to, to tell you that, you know what, your purpose, and your role, and your significance is not going to be found in a job, and trying to put together a career, or climb the corporate ladder, or do something that's more important, or make a little bit more money, or get a 10% raise. It's not going to be found in all that. But your, your purpose is really going to be found when you accept who Christ is, and then at work you represent who he is. So I want us to put that uh, saying back on the screen, that the purpose of my life at work is to show that God is at work in my life. And I want you to say that with me, okay? Let's say that together. The purpose of my life at work is to show that God is at work in my life. One more time. The purpose of my life at work is to show that God is at work in my life. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you that we've been open up, able to open up your word and we've seen different examples of work, that you created it, that uh, you, in fact, yourself worked. And uh, you didn't curse work. You, you made it to be a, an outflow of us to use gifts and talents that you've given us. Um, Father, for each person in here, I know that we're at all different stages. I mean, some of us are, don't even have a part-time job yet. Other people are, are neck deep in a career. Other people are studying for a career. And other people are close to the end of, of work and looking forward to retirement. But whatever, wherever each person is, I pray that you would take what we've talked about today and, and just show each person application that we would see work as not something that we have to hate, uh, not something that we have to worship, but it's something that we, we do, it's something that's necessary, and that it can be a blessing, and at the same time, we represent you through our work. For the people that we work with, um, may we just be able to reflect who you are to them uh, in just real and tangible ways, like I said my friend Dennis did, but show each of us how to do that. So we can just be there to, to make a difference for you and reflect who you are so that people can see that Christ is at work in us and through us. That's our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Here at Exodus, we take communion every week here at the end of following the message. And so we're going to do that in just a moment. I'm going to have a prayer, and then there are going to be people that are going to come forward. They're going to take this bread and this juice, which represent Christ's broken body and his shed blood. And Christ himself told us to take that and eat it. And when we do, to remember the sacrifice that he made on the cross and the resurrection from the dead for our sins. 
So um, you come up and uh, you just take a piece of bread, tear it, dip it in the cup, and you can either take it right there or you can take it back with you to your seat. It's really a time uh, for you and God just to connect. At the same time, to my left, to your right, there's a room and it says prayer underneath it. There'll be some people back there that um, will be back there to pray for you or with you if you want. So uh, if you have anything that you want prayer for, maybe it has to do with what we've talked about. Perhaps it has nothing to do. They would be more than happy just to pray with you or for you. Uh, If you also have some, any kind of spiritual questions about who is God? What does all this mean? They'll, those people would uh, also love to answer those for you. So I'm going to say a quick prayer. Jeremy's going to sing. And then as he does, we're going to take communion together. All right. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that it represents the sacrifice that was made because all of us have messed up. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. And we take this bread and this juice because we remember that it was that sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that gives us hope and eternal life. And so we celebrate and remember it today. In Christ's name, amen.